Hello, Castec community. My name is Chrissy. I'm the founding director of the Castec project, uh, coming to you from the land of the Web3. Uh, I'm joined today by Jimmy Nguyen, who is the founding president of the Bitcoin Association of BSV. Uh, he has been a thought leader about what we can do with blockchain, focus on applications and industry use cases, and making blockchain useful, and also providing scalable platform for serious business. Uh, so welcome, Jimmy. Thank you so much for having me. Look forward to speaking with you. Absolutely. Um, so, tell us a little bit about like uh, your 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 role within uh, Bitcoin Association. I know you have an announcement a little while ago, and and what is that changing, and how do you believe the that your role within community will evolve? Sure. So, um, for the last uh, several years, I have been the founding president of the global organization that supports Bitcoin SV. Uh, I helped found the organization. I'm one of its founding members. Uh, and I basically lead the overall growth of the Bitcoin SV community. All of the major blockchains have a foundation, like the Ethereum mm -hmm. Foundation. So our organization is also formed in Zug, Switzerland, in Crypto Valley. And I have led a team of people all across the world that supports the technical infrastructure, education, policy, developer education, investment in the growth of Bitcoin SV. Um, mm -hmm. For your listeners, I think the main thing to understand about, well, why is there a different version of Bitcoin that gets confusing for people? Yes. And it's because there have been debates over many years in Bitcoin's history about whether the Bitcoin network should be allowed to scale bigger. Uh, the BTC network and its protocol developers chose to keep the block size of BTC small at mm -hmm. one megabyte in size, but with a block weight of up to four megabytes. Um, that means you cannot do very many transactions on chain, right. at maximum about three to seven transactions per second. The transaction fee vacillates between sometimes 70 US cents to 40 US dollars plus sometimes. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have seen that the BTC network you know, isn't really used for daily payments, which is what Bitcoin, in our view, was created to do by Satoshi yep. Nakamoto. Yep. And so there are contingents of the Bitcoin world that split off first to Bitcoin Cash, which we supported for a while, and then Bitcoin SV, Satoshi Vision, to unleash a much more scalable, bigger block, bigger data and transaction capacity for the network to power payments down to the micro and nano level to reinvent how the internet works, kind of like how Elon Musk is trying to do if he takes over Twitter, uh, but also to use the network for data applications like smart contracts and tokens, which people have been trying to do on Ethereum. We mm -hmm. think that was all possible on Bitcoin's protocol, but it was locked down in size and capacity. So we're just letting it be unlocked to its full potential and supporting massive scaling. So that's what Bitcoin SV is. It's a competing chain of Bitcoin, which is at four gigabyte blocks now, which mm. is 4,000 plus megabytes, not one. So 4,000 right. plus the capacity of uh, BTC and uh, with median transaction fees to send a payment of 1 20th to 1 100th of a US cent. So we think that unlocks much more capabilities for use. And that's the main thing I, that brought me into this industry from my legal career, which is I wanted to see blockchain become the next technology platform that was really useful for the world, like the internet became. Mm -hmm. uh, and to do that, we need scale. We need useful applications um, to get past the world we live in now of just speculative crypto and NFT trading. Mm-hmm. You know, what's really interesting about use, you're focusing on the useful application is that most useful application demands a lot of storage of data. If yes. we were to do music on the blockchain, just mm -hmm. think about how many pieces of distinct music that's on Spotify. That's right. the market, right? If you're going to do a supply chain, think about how many product is in Walmart. 
That's the data. Um, so what do you think is the developer's uh, um, and people who are thinking about using blockchain, uh, do they ch have to choose between enterprise blockchain, which has a certain types of uh, model and, and promise of scalability, versus something like Bitcoin SV, uh, which is a public ledger, but has mm -hmm. a scalability? What are you seeing the communication to people who are making those choices? Well, we're trying to offer them uh, a platform where they don't have to make the choice. You know, we position BSV as the blockchain for enterprise and government, as well as consumers. We think it's the all-in-one, where you have on one blockchain the ability to send both small payments down to the, you know, one cent or less level, as well as to support supply chain, music, government data applications. Mm -hmm. Um, for enterprise level applications to work on blockchain, you hit the nail on the head. You need a blockchain that can handle two things. Bigger data capacity, so you can put files of larger size, such as a music or even a whole movie file, mm -hmm. or lots of data, uh, lots of supply chain product information, right, of many, many products. Um, and you have to be able to do that at high transaction volume for very low cost. Mm -hmm. right, and fast speed, because if you are putting music files or a lot of supply chain data on a blockchain, it can't cost 80 US cents, 20 US dollars per data transaction. It's far too much. Um, you know, I was on a uh, virtual webinar earlier today of the American Apparel and Footwear Association, the mm -hmm. trade organization for all the major clothing footwear brands. Right. And we were talking about NFT and blockchain usage, including for possibly tracking counterfeit, you know, preventing counterfeit products, right, mm -hmm. to confirm the authenticity of products. And yeah. if every item, a pair of sneakers, came with an NFT to track its authenticity. Think about how many blockchain transactions that is. Right. Um, it can't cost 80 US cents per data transaction. And so for enterprise to really uh, embrace blockchain, they need a chain like BSV that can hold lots of data for lots of transactions at very low cost. We can do that for under a penny per transaction. Right. Um, NFTs are a perfect example, right? When people try to mint NFTs now of digital art, on Ethereum, it can cost 80 US dollars sometimes mm -hmm. to mint an yeah. NFT. On BSV, you can mint a digital art NFT for less than a penny. Yes, it's really interesting, right? Because w I actually built a uh, the first NFT platform uh, on Bitcoin, and that at the time all you had is op return. So most right. of it is a pointer to something else, and we had a yes. cloud platform to do that. And we are still doing that today in Ethereum space, right? Because mm -hmm. you can't really store a lot of metadata. Some do, but most have some additional storage. But sometimes very hard to associate it. In ten years, will that additional records still be available, usage of Arweave and like IPFS for storage is a, a fraction of the NFT market. So in the, in the NFT that you're seeing in the Bitcoin SV, do you see people storing more of the media file and the metadata as well as the ownership record on the blockchain itself? Yes, yes, and yes. You hit the nail on the head because of our bigger data capacity. You know, when you put data on a blockchain, as you know, you pay for amount of data, right? The bigger the data file size, the more you pay. And so um, when that's why people actually, when they make uh, NFTs on Ethereum, what people don't realize is the actual asset itself probably does not live on chain. Mm -hmm. It lives yeah. on IPFS or an AWS server off chain mm -hmm. because it's too expensive to put the whole digital art file, let alone a music or movie file on chain. Yes. You can put the whole music file or 
digital art file on BSV for a lot less. Um, and that's why people are putting the actual asset as well as the ownership record on chain, which unlocks much more powerful capabilities. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned, you know, you try to make NFTs with, you know, Bitcoin BTC <laughs> um, with Op Return because yes. um, Op Return, for people who don't know, is a um, op code, operating code in the Bitcoin script language, which is a primitive co computing language in, uh, in the Bitcoin net protocol. And Opportune is a field in which people often will embed data for tokens or, you know, in your case, NFTs. On BTC, the uh, Opportune data size, I believe, is still limited to 100 kilobytes, mm -hmm. um, which is very small, right? Yeah. You cannot put a JPEG image mm -hmm. into Opportune because most JPEGs are several megabytes now. Yes. Um, and we have lifted the Opportune uh, cap in BSV to much mm. larger, and that's why people are able to use Opportune to embed much larger uh, data files. Um, people on BSV have even uploaded entire movie files, feature-length movie files. Now, I don't recommend that. I don't think that's necessary for every use case. Right. But um, I'll give you an example. One of our BSV ventures last year minted 175,000 digital content NFTs. Right. Um, on Ethereum, that probably would have cost you know ten million U.S. dollars. Right. They were able to do it for hundred and seventy-five U.S. dollars total, right. including putting the digital art assets actually written to the chain. Yeah, it's really interesting to for preservation to be able to have the the metadata and the content, which is presumably important. You can argue that the digital rights of the commercial rights more or less important. And that's just I think per asset. Uh, but there's a preservation problem. I was speaking with a person who does early NFT archaeology. A lot of the early NFT either lost is pairing with the thing, so right. it would be really easy. You know, and we know that things that were older and things has more legacy tend to be more available later on. So this idea of using the blockchains as preservation, which is very good at, it certainly adds an opportunity to offer the future archaeologists a better, more safe, secure way to say, hey, I found everything here and it's right next to each other in up return, right? Absolutely, and it's more than just for preservation. Um, one of my friends uh, who works in the BSV space as well as the broader blockchain space, he's launched a new company called Niptico, mm -hmm. which is creating an NFT minting service. It supports multiple chains and will be adding BSV. But one of the things they're doing is allowing the minting in a single NFT asset of uh, an NFT that contains multiple types of assets within the same file. So for example, think about if you are a music artist and you want to mint an NFT that gives the owner the rights to the actual uh, play the music file itself, right? The MP3 file, mm -hmm. album cover art, yeah. uh, the right to um, a ticket to meet the artist at a show. Yes. Having the ability in one file on the blockchain to layer in multiple related assets um, is a very powerful tool that would be cost prohibitive on Ethereum to do on chain. Mm -hmm. But you can create a file essentially where a single NFT represents multiple linked assets. And yeah. I think doing that on a bigger scale chain, which allows you to do it for very low fees, opens up a lot of opportunities for creators and brands. Yeah, it's really interesting to to look at not only about uh, the the asset type itself, but uh, one of the uh, the thing we were trying to do back in the days uh, it was the project's called Monograph. It was a commercial version. Mm -hmm. The original Monograph was the original NFT, and that's if you Google uh, NFT in Wikipedia, Kevin McCoy and Neil Dash created first NFT. They brought me in to run the CTO and and, and build the commercial version. So so that was on you know that was 
predated ELC20 and Ethereum by a couple right, of years. Right, right, right. Um, but you know, when we were doing that, one of the things we realized, and we, and we were talking to lawyers, is that each one of these things, the ticket, uh, the files, mm -hmm. or even the commercial rights on the contract mm -hmm. to use the mm -hmm. file could be separate assets. Right. So you can imagine them not you know, not only bundled into a zip file within a op return, but you can think of them as three different assets associated together, sewed together in the beginning, and maybe sewed partially mm -hmm. apart. And this requires something that we couldn't really do in the BTC project because of the limited scriptability. You mentioned that there's a smart contract capability within the Bitcoin SV. Yes. How would I go ahead and today use the Bitcoin SV blockchain to do this? You buy the bundle, but you can split it apart and sell the commercial rights or the contract to someone else. How yeah. would I do that? Obviously, you can do that in Ethereum and people do this. Correct. I just want to yeah. get your thoughts about doing that on BSV. Um, yes, there are uh, several smart contract approaches. I, I want to take this moment to debunk a myth that I hear all the time when I speak across the world, which people say to me, Jimmy, great, your BSV scales Bitcoin bigger, but you cannot do smart contracts on Bitcoin. And that's just wrong. Mm. And I think it's because um, BTC's restrictions, not just in data size, but restricting some of the technical capabilities of the Bitcoin script language, made people think that. In reality, you can. And one of the brightest entrepreneurs in our space, Xiaohei Lu, has a company called Escript, mm -hmm. which has developed a high-level smart contract language on Bitcoin using BSV, um, the original Bitcoin protocol. And, um, and it is the equivalent to Ethereum Solidity, right, mm -hmm. which is their high level um, uh, programming language. So you can use it to create these type of smart contracts. And more importantly, at our BSV Global Blockchain Convention in Dubai, which was just a few weeks ago, at the end of May, he announced and unveiled a project we've been having him work on for a while, which is a transpiler. Mm -hmm. If you go to transpilerbitcoinsv.com, you can put in an Ethereum smart contract and it will automatically translate it to a BSV smart contract. Yes. And it will cost about one one thousandth of the transaction fees to actually implement on BSV because we're trying to demonstrate you can do Ethereum smart contracts on BSV for a lot less and the Bitcoin protocol allows it. In addition to his company, there's another team called Tokenized um, out of Australia, which has a smart contract and token platform. It's web-based that is designed more for financial instruments, but they mm -hmm. also do things such as like rewards tokens and tickets where it allows a um, user, let's say a business, to put in um, terms that are more like human language contracts, common contract provisions, yes. and then we'll convert them to smart contract functions on the BSV blockchain to make it easier for the ordinary business, right, who doesn't have, you know, Bitcoin blockchain coders and developers to translate the terms of common financial instrument contracts or tickets or rewards point provisions, which are pretty boilerplate, yeah. um, and convert them into smart contract language. So our ecosystem has been really focused on trying to make blockchain easier to use so that it's more useful. Part of the problem we see is that so much of Bitcoin and blockchain and crypto has been too caught up in what I call the crypto uh, sort of little bubble, right? Where it's too hard to use wallets. It's too hard to make smart contracts. If we want this to be useful for the business world, this needs to get easier. So um, those are ways in which we can, we've been uh, pushing in our ecosystem to deliver smart contract capability at much, much, much less cost than you do in Ethereum.
Yeah, and it's really interesting that if you think about like a template for a contract that people do in the wet wetware world, it's usually a template and has some you know stuff, and you just fill in what you need. Yes. And that yes. really doesn't exist, despite the name. Like when I heard, first heard about the smart contract name, uh, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. It's like a contract, and if, and it's nothing like it's a program, it's nothing. right? No, no. <laughs> it, you, yeah, and I, look, I'm a, I was a lawyer for 21 years, mm, as you know, and yes. so I used to live in the world of contracts. And you know, most business contracts and agreements are not appropriate for blockchain smart contracts. Blockchain mm -hmm. smart contracts are rather what we call dumb contracts, right? Mm -hmm. They work best with uh, agreements where there are very basic conditions. Yes. If you know, for example, travel insurance. If I buy travel insurance for my airplane flight, if my flight is more than two hours late landing, which you can verify through Oracle data from, let's say, the FAA mm -hmm. or government websites, then I get paid automatically X amount to my Bitcoin wallet as my um, my compensation for a late flight. Something like that works very easily on uh, on a smart contract, yeah. and you can automate that by creating, you know, boilerplate. Uh, insurance agreements buy this insurance for this amount put in your flight information put in the you know the number of hours late that it will be and what your compensation will be that is very repeatable yeah. so I think where I'm trying to push is the industry to create templates yes. that are web-based that don't require a lot of coding um, think about you know how it's like WordPress for smart contracts, yes. right? WordPress made it so much easier for normal people and businesses to make websites, and powers a lot of the websites of the world because we don't have to learn HTML coding. Mm -hmm. We need the same thing for smart contracts, and that's what we're trying to really deploy on BSV. It's really uh, really resonate with me. You know, I built a lot of uh, blockchain application uh, initially on Bitcoin and then on Ethereum when that became uh, kind of possible. And I realized that most of the time I'm rebuilding the same thing over and over again. If you look at even the NFT marketplace, the minting contract, how much you know how much work people have done for essentially for fields right like it, it is really not that difficult and and so one of the some of the things we are doing is uh essentially doing a form and code generator that mm. creates a meta model in javascript because that's what people understand in the ui yeah. and then they translate of that into the various smart contract component now we don't generate smart contracts it is very hard to do especially in the ethereum space to do it securely but if there's parameter you can map it so i like the idea mm. of like this dumb contract we call them parametric contracts. Mm -hmm. So once we know mm -hmm. what the parameters is, we can now map the parameter on chain to our UI generator, and then we can put them in, right? And 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 it's very hard to, you know, I see a lot of like smart contract generator, you have the transpiler thing, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. But it's probably better for someone who knows Script or Solidity to orchestrate the thing, declare the parameters, and map it. Uh, so that's kind of our approach. Uh, but you are completely in line with that. People need to be able to describe what they want to do and get the blockchain to work for them without having to say, where are the developers? Because for a while there was none. <laughs> bingo, 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 bingo. Yeah. So, so when you're looking at you know the, the possibility of bringing more users to this system, obviously one of the big challenges is the wallet experience, right? There are different mm -hmm. wallets, a lot of them, while they support many of the protocol, including your chain, mm -hmm. they tend to look like a trading system. So when everything mm -hmm. looks like a trading stock thing, it's very hard to tell them the use case of this, what this can give them. Uh, so what is your view about like the wallet? Like what, what do we need to get the wallet developers to do to bridge the gap between the perception of crypto blockchain to the potential that we probably already achieved in terms of infrastructure, but just not in understanding? 
um i think that's a great question and it's the thing that scares my friends right from trying to enter the mm -hmm. crypto digital asset world it all looks very scary um luckily we already have a few great wallets on bsv that have already tackled up the challenge one of the mm -hmm. most popular is called handcash Hand uh, it's a mobile wallet um you can get it on ios as well as android and it is the most user-friendly wallet i've seen where it does not for example use um, bitcoin legacy addresses anymore it mm -hmm. uses a handle system so when you uh, create your wallet, uh, no more seed words, by the way. It has a system for getting rid of seed words, but you can still recover your um, wallet if necessary. You create a handle, like mine is Jimmy Wynn, my, like my Twitter handle, W-I-N. Mm -hmm. And once you have your handle, it basically represents your public key. And so people can send you BSV just knowing your handle. Uh, they obviously can't withdraw from your wallet, but it's like just, it, and that makes it so much easier, right? People tip me because I'm, you know, known in the BSV world. They'll send me a penny, two pennies, et cetera. And that is what is so much understandable, more understandable to the average person. Right. right? They don't want to have to deal with, you know, the uh, Bitcoin wallet addresses. And so they do that. And it also, through their app, links to multiple games, social media, and other apps on BSV where people can use the wallet to then pay to play games and earn money back. It all links to a common wallet. So it becomes sort of like a super app, yeah. right? That is a more fun experience. And you can top up, you know, they use Circle on the back end so you can pay with a credit card to, you know, uh, get more BSV into your wallet. Mm -hmm. SetB is another one on BSV out of South Africa that is a little bit more traditional, but it, does, it doesn't use a handle system, but it links to contacts in your phone. And therefore, once you know people's contacts and phone numbers, the app can send, you know, BSV to other, your, of your friends and contacts but it also provides mechanisms to pay for like your utilities to pay for um gift cards which then convert to you the, the ability to pay merchants yes. so it's becoming a more um youth generation focused environment to pay for things that's the kind of development i think that is necessary to get away from the wallets which hold you know 500 coins and you know really focus on trading right a lot of them link to trading mm -hmm. and that's not I want to see a world where digital currencies are actually used in daily life yeah where people are not buying them just to get rich right which is why most people buy coins I don't think there's anything wrong with that but Bitcoin was created to solve the problem of the internet having a, not having a native way to send small payments right and so we want to see a world where people are using their BSV um, when they're tweeting right to eliminate bot accounts where you have to actually pay maybe a penny to tweet mm -hmm. but then people tip you back when they respond and engage with your tweets or your Instagram posts and where you're playing to earn on play to earn games and you're making small amounts of money um, where you have to maybe pay to do a Google internet search but you get better quality search results because there's no sponsored links mm -hmm. um, I want to see a world where I, I don't like paying for digital newspaper subscriptions on a monthly or annual basis but sometimes I see an article and I just would pay 20 cents to read it at that given moment that could be taken out of a wallet but for that to happen you need to have a scalable blockchain where it doesn't cost $10 to send an Ethereum transaction or $20 or even 70 cents to send mm -hmm. a BTC transaction you need a chain like ours where the transaction fee is well under a penny so if we have systems like that whether it's a mobile wallet or a browser wallet that links to actual applications that the everyday person can use yeah. to read newspaper articles, to play games, to post on social media, then I think we'll see a much more useful world. Yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned payment being the original 
uh, white paper mm -hmm. use case, and we seem to forgotten it, right? Like we like to totally forgotten uh, it. How do we forget yeah. that, right? It's it's about that peer to peer cash like experience uh, in right. your wallet in your custody. What do you think is the uh, the the adoption? Gap. Is it the fiat on RAM? You mentioned the integration with Circle and some of these wallet. Uh, do people still think that this connection to the financial system as we exist today on the merchant side and on onboarding side is a requirement? Uh, what's your thoughts about how do you get people around? Those experiences are not great, by the way. Some of them require KYC. They're terrible. It's like, what's yeah. your thoughts on, on RAM? Uh, I think there's two main problems. The first problem is beating out of people's mindset that cryptocurrencies are there to as an investment mm -hmm. right that's what they become btc now has the narrative of being a store of value digital gold mm -hmm. right which of course is not a very reliable store of value given the market crashes over the last couple yeah, of weeks um, but that's not what it was created to be it was meant to be a, a daily electronic cash system so we have to get that out of people's mindset about why digital currencies exist um, because that is why the the people are willing to go through the difficulties of the fiat on-ramp process with exchanges because you know they're buying the coins because they're hoping to buy coins and wait for the price to go up and trade them mm -hmm. um, so that's the first thing the second thing is we have to create what I call an earn and use economy mm -hmm. um, as opposed to just buy and hold right that, yes. that's the world we live in now um, if this is meant to be a system that powers daily economy in the digital world, we have to have ways in which people are earning BSV or whatever coin or tokens in daily life and having outlets to use them and reasons to use them. Yes. Right now, there's not enough reasons to use your digital currency other than buying NFTs these days. And by earning, I mean not just in salary. Not just, okay, the mayor of New York taking the salary or mayor of Miami months, taking salary. Three months, two months, yeah. Months, right? <laughs> I'm talking about um, in our digital life, right? When I tweet and people respond back to me, are they sending me small micropayments when I'm playing games? For example, one of my ideas is, you know, we give our location data through mobile apps often, right? And I never authorize it for beyond when I'm using the app. It's only when I'm using the app, right? Yeah. I'll, I'll authorize it. But that's very valuable. And what if someone developed a system where you were incentivized to provide your location data even when you're not in the app mm -hmm. and you got paid for every three minutes or whatever, small micropayments? Um, that's the world I'm thinking about where we're all incentivized through many ways to be earning digital currency in big and small amounts mm -hmm. and then having ways to use them that we enjoy. Um, you know, every time you recycle a, a bottle, right, and you scan a QR code, you get a small amount of money. Every time you exercise and it's monitored on your Fitbit mm -hmm. or whatever, maybe you're earning small rewards tokens. So that, I think, would lead more and more people to actually be using digital currency in daily life. Mm -hmm. That's not the world that exists now. And yeah. um, that's what a lot of BSV companies are trying to move towards. But it, again, it requires scale. You cannot do this with Ethereum transaction fees of 20, 40 US mm -hmm. dollars, right? Because yeah. you're not going to pay someone a lot of money to recycle a bottle or to tweet something. Um, and it's interesting because Elon Musk, with his talk of acquiring Twitter, has been talking about this, mm -hmm. right? How do we create a new micro payment economy um, for Twitter? Or even Jack Dorsey, who we disagree with on a lot of things, with his Web5, Web you know, five. announcement, yeah. trying to make Bitcoin the infrastructure for a new yeah. whole Web7, 8 system. Yeah. That requires a network that can scale. So I think that's what needs to happen to change 
the dynamic into one where Bitcoin, BSV, whatever coin it is actually used in daily life. Um, we need ways to earn it, yes. not just a salary. Because think about it, we only spend money once we get it, right? Mm -hmm. the, the, the problem is there's not, we have this system now where you have to onboard through exchanges, go through yes. that difficult you know, KYC uh, funds transfer process to buy coins, but there's no real reason to then use them. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's both hot to get and hot to use, and and yes. you know, and and then we have seen some situation uh, in the community where there's airdrops to existing wallet, and it's, yes. you see that more mm -hmm. on Web three and Ethereum. Mm -hmm. uh, that is very healthy because you look at those increasingly sophisticated airdrop; they look more and more like a rewards program for customer sure. loyalty and customer yes. acquisition. Mm -hmm. So this idea of using the data that exists on chain in a relationship as a way to spend your advertising customer acquisition cost it's such a good alignment between things that marketer understands and the things that the consumer needs to engage. Uh, God knows how many times I choose a credit card because of the rewards I get on them. Yep, I know, <laughs> me too. But once we get the rewards, whether it's an airdrop or earning them through activity, I think there needs to be more applications and ways to use them. Yes. Right, because that's why a lot of my friends, you know, what they'll say to me, oh, Jimmy, I bought X and X coin. No, why didn't the price go up? They're just right, waiting right, for the yeah, price to yeah. go up, as opposed to having enough outlets and incentives to use them. Do you, if you buy something using the coin, do you get a discount? Uh, is there games to play with it? You know, are there things right where you have a reason to use the coin? Mm -hmm. um, uh, with that said, I will also say that I think we have to. The industry has to consolidate. There are far too many coins. Yeah. Yes. It's just stupid. It's just silly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But we, the world does not need this many coins, um, and it's confusing to the average person. Um, and uh, that that won't happen, you know, immediately. But I think the industry will eventually consolidate to hopefully, you know, some dominant chains and coins, and you know, maybe some rewards coins from different brands. And, things. Mm -hmm. and you know, obviously, you know, we see more and more denomination in stable coin for certain activity, yes. uh, and and there there are chains that can support them. Uh, what is your view of stable coin as a driver? Because some chains really bet on that. Uh, we have a test uh, implementation of mm -hmm. our payment system, which works really, really well on the mainnet basis uh, on what used to be XDAI chain, which is a stable coins denominated chain. That made sense for our payment use case that we have launched in our iOS and Android wallet uh, that we've done. Um, what's your view on stable coin in that uh, story you just talked about? Um, I'm actually a believer in stable coins if done appropriately. Mm -hmm. um, and not all BSV people agree with me. I've talked to some, they think, you know, we can just use native BSV given its efficiency, you don't need stable coins. Um, uh, I'm actually involved with helping one of the BSV entrepreneurs launch a new business that is going to be, um, uh, you know, issuing stable coins of all leading world fiat currencies on BSV given mm. its greater efficiencies. Uh, and the reason I believe that's important is blockchain to me, whatever blockchain it is, it's just going to be plumbing in the future. Mm -hmm. In a future world, the ordinary person is not going to care where, whether they're spending an Ethereum coin or a BSV coin or whatever coin. If they're spending a digital US dollar, a digital euro, mm -hmm. a digital British pound in their games or on their social media, that's all they care about. Um, it's only the crypto you know, fanatics that get into these tribal warfares over my coin's better than your coin or my chain's better than your chain. Um, blockchain, like the internet, should just be like plumbing mm -hmm. to make money transfer more efficient. 
And so stable coins help address that because for the average person, then they don't have to worry or even think about what chain it's on, what wallet I need. In addition, it addresses the volatility question. People don't want to feel like, hey, I earned you know $3 of X coin. Why did it drop down to $1.50 you know, tomorrow? Um, so I, I'm a big believer in them. I also think that central bank digital currencies can be issued on blockchain. Mm -hmm. And there's a leading BSV uh, company, Enchain, that is talking to some central banks about trying to pilot CBDCs on BSV. Mm -hmm. So I think blockchains like BSV can be the base ledger for stablecoins, CBDCs, as well as use of the native coin. I think all of it's possible. Not everyone agrees. Some people think, you know, we should just not need stablecoins. Mm -hmm. With that said, given what's happened with Terra, Luna, the controversies over whether, you know, Tether is fully backed, I think we need to, uh, stablecoins will only survive if they are done in a much more compliant manner where people have confidence in the backing. These algorithmic ones where there's like a coin on top of a coin, you know, that mm. to me that is a recipe for disaster. And, you know, as a lawyer, uh, do you see the recent attention to try, at least in the U.S., to move a little bit further on on those asset-backed uh, uh, requirements for the issuer to have some disclosure and type of qualification? Do you think that's a positive thing? For the industry? I do think it's a positive thing, and not everyone in the crypto world likes regulation. Um, as a lawyer, it's not that I love law, it's just I know it's the practical reality if we want to see this industry grow to global usage where there's confidence of governments, consumers, and institutional investors. So I think it, uh, it I, I don't want to see another world where people lose 99% of the value they've invested into Terra Luna. That, that, that's just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And the only way to prevent that in the future is to unfortunately require either much more disclosures or uh, you know make it more difficult to have these algorithmic, less fully backed you know type coins because it's you know we, we do have to protect the consumer. And I know that the early crypto Bitcoin fans don't like hearing that, and that's one way the BSV ecosystem is very different. Um, I fully appreciate the crypto libertarian viewpoint, right? right? But, um, you know, I, I also believe it's important to have law and order. Do we want this world to stay only used by crypto hobbyists? Or do we want blockchain and these digital assets to be used by billions of people around the world? Right. To get the big global usage, you have to make uh, law and compliance Front of mind. Yes, and it's a confidence that allows people to put dip yes. their toe on it. If it's like, oh, I want to dip that toe, and someone just drown in it, you know, um, someone literally drown in it, and it's, it's harder to get the next person to experiment with the joy of swimming, right? The joy Correct. of the open ocean, right? And and and, and I, I completely agree that the, the right balance of the right type of regulation, and and I think the industry has been good. I'm part of some uh, blockchain policy working group as a technologist, providing context of what actually goes on in these programs and these DeFi contracts. Uh, but I think a good type of uh, uh, recommendation with, uh, with uh, regulators who care uh, to learn it's important. You know, for, for example, I also think exchanges need more oversight. Uh, there was, you know, reports over the last couple of days that the SEC has sent to at least one, you know, uh, leading exchange uh, inquiry about what type of procedures it has to prevent insider training, mm -hmm. for example, mm -hmm. um, before certain events. 
even though it's, you know, you can debate whether these coins are securities or not, I think that's a legitimate question, right? How do you, if, if you are working at an exchange and you know certain things about to happen, a coin's about to get listed or there's trouble with a particular coin, um, you know, should people within the exchange be allowed to be trading on their own to benefit um, one way or the other? I think that's a very legitimate question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the industry has to look at self-regulations, whether that's an SRO uh, or some mm -hmm. other things as the precursor to that because I think the if the if the the world look at us as like hey we're libertarian and we don't care it's hard mm -hmm. to be invited to the table when they do care and say hey what can you share with us like well this has worked in in the work that we've done before yeah but like what one point I'll make is I find it very curious every time there's hu these huge market drops in price a lot of the exchanges will all of a sudden you know have uh, maintenance or stop trading withdrawals of BTC Right, which some people will say, you know, will say that if they're more conspiratorial in nature, say, well, that's their attempt to try and, keep, you know, prevent the BTC price from completely collapsing, right? Um, because there's so much of the industry is dependent on BTC mm -hmm. staying at certain levels. Now, I, I don't know whether that's true or not, but it's a trend a number of people notice, right? Why are BTCs? Why is BT, should exchanges be able to do that, or under what? You know conditions right now there's not really any uh, legal regulations about that whereas um, if you have public companies with stock exchanges right there are um, policies about the um, halting of trading right. of, of uh, public stock uh, public company stock in certain situations yeah and, and, and I think this type of rules evolve but I think there's a lot to learn from existing solutions right you know the same risk same regulation is some mm. of the jurisdiction have leaned towards that I'm not sure if the U.S. really abide by that. It's same rules, fight for whether you have jurisdiction. It seems to be what, what's going on. Um, what's interesting to me is that the blockchain solution can actually help a lot of these uh, 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 these government understands that because the data is there, we can go investigate, we can go learn in an open way, and you can make a different interpretation, uh, but we are, we are doing this in the open, as they say, both in terms of software and it's in data and state. Uh, are there other things that you want to share with us that excite you most, especially as you embark on the next chapter in your journey uh, in crypto and beyond that you want to share with the audience? Sure. Um, well, today, as you saw on social media, I announced that after you know years of leading the Bitcoin Association for BSV, I will be stepping down from my role as founding president um, in September. So I'm around for a few more months, and I'm not leaving BSV world. I'm a huge advocate of it, but you know I have a lot of business opportunities around the world presenting themselves to me, and I'm going to go help drive you know more business growth on BSV. The things I'm excited about range. Um, the game and esports world, I mm. think, is a ripe area for all blockchain usage, particularly with BSV, with its micropayment capabilities, yep. where there are companies creating platforms. Uh, for example, a company called Haste Arcade in the US, where they have this instant leaderboard payout concept, wh which can plug into any type of game. Think, I'll use this analogy. The old days, you would go to the video arcade, stick in a quarter, right, to play Pac-Man yes. or Tetris or whatever. Right? If you got on the leaderboard, you got to put in your initials, mm -hmm. but you didn't get any money. Yeah. Well, their system allows any game to use their platform. Uh, the player pays to, you know, some amount to play mm -hmm. whatever game. Mm -hmm. And then if they get on the leaderboard, which you set, 10, top 20, whatever, every player that comes after you that does not beat your score, you get a tiny fraction of their amount of money that's paid. I think yeah. it's like a very brilliant um, concept. They've also been approached by uh, government representatives in South Africa to think about how to use that platform to help gamify educational uh, systems, to encourage 
young people to do more educational activities. So right. I think that kind of game plus social good usage of micropayments with BSV is very exciting. In addition to the general esports things like making you know NFTs of virtual items and avatars, um, you know, on the blockchain. In addition, we're very focused on BSV more than other blockchains on government and enterprise use of the blockchain. So that's why I've been spending a lot of time in the Middle East over the last couple of years. We just held our big BSV global blockchain convention in Dubai a few weeks ago at the end of May. Um, we have uh, initiated, we have become the blockchain knowledge partner with the UAE's Ministry of Human Resources and Emeritization. One of our key companies out there, Invoice Made and Matesoul, um, has already deployed uh, projects with the Sin Police Department in Pakistan where they're tracking, for example, like police resource data of the police station on blockchain mm. so that you know and have a public record of how much um, ammunition the police department has in and out of its inventory on a given day. Right. Um, what are the gut? What's the gun count? Um, they're also going to be putting what are called first FIRs, first investigation reports, on recording them to blockchain, which are think about it when uh, you report a crime, let's say to the police. Um, the there are sometimes incidents where people believe you know law enforcement might change or manipulate mm -hmm. uh, reports that are made. By using blockchain to hash or digitally fingerprint uh, records to, and timestamp them, which is what a blockchain really yeah. does, to the chain you can have more data integrity in what was the accuracy of whatever the report was made at a given time. Mm -hmm. So they're working with the Sin Police Department in Pakistan, an agricultural agency as well in the region. We have a project going on with the University of Sharjah in the UAE to create a platform to track academic and professional certifications on blockchain mm -hmm. to cut down on fraud when people lie about their certificate um, and accreditations type of like intersection yes. right mm -hmm. yes uh, and especially not just to prevent lying about whether you have a certification but sometimes certifications only last for a certain period of time right, right? and you have to renew them and blockchains again are a time stamping mechanism which is a perfect vehicle for being able to quickly determine whether my certification in whatever information privacy um, professional law uh, is still valid. Mm -hmm. um, so those are the types of uses I'm actually very excited about. They're basic mm -hmm. and kind of, I don't say boring, they're not the crypto fund trading things people think about. but but. All blockchain is data infrastructure, mm -hmm. right? It's the, the uh, if you go back to the Bitcoin white paper, it doesn't even use the word blockchain. Nope. It uses distributed timestamp server. Mm. It's a timestamping of records of events, a payment of Bitcoin from me to you, the fact that I have a certification of this degree, the fact that I bought an NFT and transferred it on date and time to you, and making that published and distributed to the world. Um, so these uses where data and information can be verified publicly. Um, the last example I'll give uh, is with COVID vaccination tracking. Mm -hmm. There's a startup on BSV in the US called VX Technologies, which has an application which allows the tracking of your COVID vaccinations by date and time where the time apart on which you got shots is important to know, for sure. right? Mm -hmm. For the validity of them. And they are deploying it in the small country of Lesotho in the bottom of Africa mm -hmm. to be the official uh, COVID vaccination tracking application mm -hmm. for, for the country as well as some other African countries. Yeah, that, so that's 
That's a lot more Those advanced than the one we have in, yes. the, in the United States. <laughs> the oh, CDC card. Yeah. In the US, I have it right here. Yeah. I have my little paper CDC yeah, card. Yeah, yeah. When I go around the world and show this to people, they're embar- they think it's funny yeah. that this is what we have in the it, US. It, um, and, and we think of that as a very important thing. I still remember the person who jabbed me first. It's like, think of that as like an official like birth certificate. It's like, oh, this is, yes. this is a yeah. different world that I was expecting yeah. in 2021 or 2020, whenever mm-hmm. that was. But that's why scalability, high transaction volume, low fees is important. For those use cases I've just described, whether you're tracking all the degrees and professional certifications mm-hmm. of an entire university or tracking COVID vaccinations of a whole country, each of those transactions is a data event on the chain for which someone has to be paying a fee. Yes. And someone has to pay a fee every time the data is read. And that's why it can't be 80 US cents, two US dollars per transaction of data. Mm-hmm. You know, it needs to be a penny less mm-hmm. um, and that's why BSV. that's great well thank you so much for enlightening us I mean the the, the use cases you describe is concrete someone is doing it with someone going yeah. through not just pilots but implementation and hitting real people and I think there's not enough of exposure in the mainstream press about crypto, especially when crypto is uh, going up and all they can think is a, it's a $100 million club. And then once it's low, it's like it crashed 60%. And, and they, they don't actually discuss that we're making real progress on things we were just talking about a few years ago that's actually happening on the ground. So it's always great to get those uh, read from the field. And uh, you know I think the crypto community owe a lot to to your advocacy and your, your understanding uh, to to try to explain to people there is work to be done, but we're getting closer. So thank you for that. We are, and thank you for having me on. Absolutely, and the, as always, uh, the, uh, the community support and, and allow us to be able to tell the story and record the story in a way. Uh, maybe I'll put this on the BSV blockchain, this video, uh, yeah. that, that, that we- it can help you do that. That, that. that we are actually making progress, not in terms of just the technology development, but the narrative that you know this is something that will be relevant to you, uh, um, whether it's the next cycle or next year, and, and, and please watch out for the development in various community. Uh, obviously, Costag is a EVM-based project. I, I think I have credibility having done op return back in 2014 to be able to say that I'm part of the Bitcoin BTC community and the Bitcoin SV community. Um, so uh, I, as a person who have done it all, you know, we're on the same boat. It's just about bringing user onto this new, new possibility, and I think we're going to do it. Yeah. No matter what chain or coin you support, I don't get into those tribal debates as much. Just Try to make blockchain yeah. useful. That's a great thing. Let's make blockchain useful. And as always, thank you so much for the community for your time. And thank you, Jimmy, for joining us. And until next time, take care.